We're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and last week Kelly did a great job of of laying a foundation and setting it up and talking about prayer and what prayer is and what prayer isn't and certain things that can hinder our prayers, and he talked about, you know, not praying like the pagans who just babble on and on and on. So Kelly laid the foundation for talking about prayer, and today I'm going to try to to put some practical meat on those bones and try to, excuse me if you're a vegetarian, but I'm, I'm going to try to try to build on the foundation um, with sod and moss and stuff. Um, and I'm going to try to tell you what it's like to pray the way Jesus recommended. And, you know, he gave us this example. He said, this is how you should pray. So if it's, if it's something that Jesus did, it's, it's a pretty significant thing. Um, you know, years ago, I used to have a business in the, in the Bay Area, and I used to do a lot of weddings. My business was called Black Tie Entertainment. I did a lot of weddings and bar mitzvahs and private parties. But almost without fail, every time I did a wedding, they would ask me to sing the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have heard that, the Malat version? And, you know, it was always interesting to me because it's the prayer that Jesus told us to pray, but yet I would be singing it at these events where I knew that most of the people probably didn't even have any idea of the significance of the words to that particular song. But we're going to be talking today about what exactly this means. And I, I, I do want to ask if you would forgive me because it's it's going to be a pretty personal message, and I, I don't want to highlight myself, but I, I think prayer is one of those things that is so incredibly personal. Remember, Kelly said last week that it's supposed to be done in secret with just you and your Heavenly Father. And so today, I'm going to share a lot of stories and try to kind of walk with you through how to pray or to teach you to pray in the way that Jesus said. So if you would pray with me now, I would appreciate that. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are holy. I thank you that your name is great and you are greatly to be praised. I thank you so much for giving us the written word that we can read the word, we can read the Bible and understand who you are and understand more and more of your beautiful character. Lord, we just thank you that you are so kind and gracious and compassionate, Lord. And this morning, I pray that you would heal broken hearts, just like that song says bringing the broken to life. Lord, that you would pour out your spirit of revelation in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would bring us deeper into your presence and into your spirit. Speak through me, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would would bring the words to everyone's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I have a question for you. Be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. Do you struggle to pray? See, they're just a wave of condemnation just went across the room. Did you sense that? 
it is a struggle to pray. It really is. It's a struggle to pray. First of all, because we live in the generation that we live in, and there's the cell phone, and there's the computer, and there's everything that, that distracts us and wants our attention, and maybe little kids, and maybe you're late for work or whatever. And so sometimes it's really difficult to pray. And, and the thing is that Jesus said in Luke 11, he said, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't say teach us how to pray. He said, teach us to pray. And I think for all of us, that's part of our journey in growing in our intimacy with the Lord is that he would teach us to pray and to build our faith in such a way that we would really believe that he's listening, that he really is the God who who hears the prayers of the righteous, that he turns his ear to our cries. One of his disciples said, and Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. And when he starts out in Matthew 6, he says, our Father. Our Father. Is there a dad in here with this little girl? Any, any dads? Their children? Come on over. Come up here, Ryan and Cece. Okay, I want you guys to put your hand on your dad's shoulder. Can you turn around, Pete, and look at them? Turn around and look at your kids. Can you guys come over here closer, please? Over here. Can you grab each other's hands, face each other, and look at each other? about this. It's about the intimacy of knowing that child so well and loving that child so much. Amen. Thank you guys. Can you give them a hand for their bravery? Our Father Even when I say the word father, I know that it strikes a lot of emotion in your heart. I know that father conjures up a lot of stuff. Either you've been abandoned, you've been neglected, you've been abused, you've been damaged in some way. Maybe your dad was even a good dad, but not a perfect dad. But the word father, I think it's easy for us to talk about Jesus. I think it's easy for us to talk about the Holy Spirit. But so many people struggle with the concept of father. And it's about that. It's about that sweetness. It's about that intimate relationship that you just want to connect 
That's why a lot of people in the morning when they spend time reading the Bible and praying, they call it devotions. Because it's about devotion. You're devoted to that person. You adore that person. You love that person and you want to hang out with them. And the thing is that Jesus could have told them any other word. He could have said, our king or our Lord, or our master, or our our rabbi. But he said, our Abba, our daddy. You know, my my little grandson, Jackson, he has a new thing now, and he's five months old, and he just started it yesterday, so I was totally capping on it. But he says, Abba, Abba. That's the Greek word for daddy. I tried to change it to Mimi, but he wouldn't. Kept saying Abba. 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 Daddy. Look at that. This is what prayer is supposed to be. I love you. I want to connect with you. Is that painful to hear? I know for some of you, it's really, really hard to hear that. But then Jesus goes on and says, our Father in heaven. Thus, taking the polar opposites, the intimacy of a daddy who stoops down to his child, all the way up to the heavens, the highest heavens. Now, there's a rumor going around that there are three levels of heaven and you're going to go to one of those three levels. That is not supported by the Bible. What the Bible says is there are the heavens that you see, the sky, the clouds, the, the things that you can see, the blue. Then there are the heavens, which are the vast galaxies. And then there is heaven where God dwells. Heaven where the king of kings, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that's where he dwells. And he stoops down to be with us. So it shows the absolute contrast of of everything that God is, the full spectrum. He's our loving, intimate daddy, but he's also the king of all kings and the most powerful being. See that? Isn't that so cool? And I think Jesus has us do that so that we never mistake our earthly dad for our heavenly dad. Don't ever, even if your dad was a great dad, a godly dad, a generous and kind dad, don't ever insult the God of the universe by comparing them because God is so much greater. That's my daddy And I love my daddy so much. He is a gentle, kind, encouraging, loving, sweet man. And I love him so much. And he's very generous. But even in his nicest state of mind, he is not like my father in heaven. He can't be. And I don't put that pressure on him. And even Eric, there's Eric with my four kids. Those two, the two that are on the left side, they were both up on stage today. And he was an amazing dad. 
He was so devoted to his kids. He, he loved his kids so much. Every single one of his kids think they are his favorite. That's just a secret. <laughs> because he had such a way of making them feel so special. He was so encouraging, and he was such a good dad. But even he would say, don't ever compare me to the perfect love of the Heavenly Father. And so I think when Jesus, when he is teaching us to pray, he's talking to us about the character of God and setting our mind on who God really is rather than our misnomers or our misperceptions of who God is. Because I think that's one thing that keeps us from praying too, is that we have distorted views of who God really is. And Jesus is trying to say he's our father. He is, he is so crazy about us, but he's also the father in heaven. Remember in verse eight where it says, don't pray like the pagans. It says, for your father knows what you need even before you ask. I don't think prayer is about building God up. I don't think God's like this insecure God who needs us to come and pray to stroke his ego. I think God wants us to pray because it focuses us on truth and it focuses us on the character of the loving God of the universe. And when it says, hallowed be your name, hallowed, it's, it's also translated, let your name be kept holy or let your name be treated with extreme reverence. Isn't that such a sweet picture? That's, that's devotion right there. That's what God, the way that Rebecca's looking up at him, that's how he wants us to start out with our prayer. Daddy, Abba. And not let our own emotions or our own distortions about who God is prevent us from coming into his presence because he always accepts us. He's always waiting for us to come into his presence. And we always start with praise. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. You are perfect in all your ways. Holy means he's so other than us. It means complete. There's nothing lacking in him. And when we start with praise, it helps us to remember who God is before we go on. So if I could just encourage you... When you start to pray, don't ever just launch into your your laundry list of things that you want to ask God for. Start out by praising him. Start out with praise and start out with setting God on his place in the throne. Not that he's not already there, but in your own mind, you need to recognize who he is before you come into his presence. And that's the way to do it with thanksgiving in your heart. He is the God who stoops down and it says in Jeremiah 32, I am the Lord the God of all the peoples of the world, is anything too hard for me? He's telling us nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is impossible. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We will never be able to pray accurately if we don't know what God says about himself. That's why he gave us the Bible. And I know all the spiritual disciplines are difficult for us because nobody in hell wants you to pray. Can I just say that? (laughs) Truly, there's nobody in hell that wants you to pray. Literally, hell, literal hell. Nobody. 
And everything in this world is going to try to keep you from praying. In the same way, it's all going to try to keep you from reading the Bible. And as you read the Bible, then you will learn to understand his character. Don't, don't ever rely on your own emotions to define who God is. You know, there, how many of you have ever known someone who has a kind of a distorted view of God? Anybody? Yeah. I know a lot of people that have a really distorted view of God because they think that he's this taskmaster or he's really angry at them all the time or he's unreasonable or he's just moody. God is none of those things. He is consistent. And if we don't know how to pray, the best way, if I could suggest to you, the best way to start to learn to pray is just to open up the Psalms and just to pray them out loud. Pray the Psalms out loud. Pray them in your home. Pray them in, well, don't, don't do this in the car. <laughs> you can put your, your uh, Bible on CD or whatever. But understand that God has explained to us who he is. And he wants us to pray things that line up with what he's already said about himself. Let me give you an example. Let's say if you're struggling with fear, for example, you can say, Lord, I know that your perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, and I know that you have promised that you would never leave me or forsake me. And Lord, you have told me that I can be strong and I can be courageous and I don't need to be terrified because you are with me. God, your promise is that you would be with me to the ends of the earth and you have loved me with an everlasting love. You have drawn me with your loving kindness. You see, I'm praying. It's nothing original, but it's coming from the depths of my heart because I know the character of God and I know who he is and I can pray these things because it reminds me of who he is and that nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is impossible for him. And we pray your kingdom come. You are God. I am not. You are perfect. You know what's best no matter what it looks like. You know, no matter what your situation is right now, if you've, you know, you have wanted to conceive a child and you can't or you have wayward children or you just want to be married or you don't want to be married <laughs> you know the lord knows what we need even before we ask and that's why we're supposed to invite his kingdom to come and his will to be done because when we set him on the throne of righteousness and majesty and power we can ask him for anything, but we ask for his will to be done. And if you don't know the character of God, there's no way that you can know what his will is. When my kids were little, I taught them uh, a little acronym for pray. And it's P-R-A-Y. And it's kind of a little bit backwards from what Jesus says, just because it doesn't sound as cool to say parry. So it's pray. So it's P for praise. Again, we start our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then R is for repent, which just means to confess your sins. And you know how many times you go into God's presence and, and you kind of come in there to tattle on somebody else, you know, and then God corrects you and shows you where you're wrong and changes your mind. That's what repentance means, to just change your mind. But you come into his presence, first of all, praising him and reminding yourself of who he is, and then repenting, asking for forgiveness. And then the third thing is ask. That's when you let your requests known, be made known to God. 
It says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But we can ask him for anything. Think about the, the example of a little kid in the middle of the night. Daddy, daddy, can I have a drink of water? Right? And that's how we are to him. It's, it's something that he yearns to do. He wants to bless us. Do you know this? God longs to bless us. But if we're setting him on the throne and praying that his kingdom would come and his will would be done, then the things that we ask are going to line up with his will and his word. You know, when Eric went into surgery, um, there was a doctor, the surgeon that um, worked on him for 14 hours. For those of you who don't know, my husband passed away 18 months ago unexpectedly. And I went back to have a conversation with the surgeon several months after he died, and I just had some questions for him and just wanted to get some clarity. This doctor told me, he said, you know what, I completely remember your husband. He had everyone in the whole room cracking up. Those of you who know him, you know he was a funny guy. But he had everybody cracking up. And his very last act before he went under, he laid hands on the surgeon and he prayed for him. He prayed for God's blessing. And the surgeon remembered that. And he shared that with me. And the thing is that if you knew Eric, you knew that everything was about the kingdom of God. He wanted to see the kingdom of God expanded, even so far as to, to not worry about himself, but to pray for the surgeon. And it made such an impact that the surgeon remembered it eight months later. I just want to ask you, what are you doing when you pray? Are you just asking God for stuff? Or are you really praying, God, will be done. The fourth thing in the word pray is to yield. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, those times where we're sharing Christ with people or praying or reading the word or any of these spiritual disciplines, fellowshipping with other believers, talking about the Lord, these are eternal things. This is what is going on in heaven. The only thing that's not going on, they're not witnessing to anybody, but they're, but they're completely enraptured with worship and the Lord and praising the Lord. He, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Notice it says, this day our daily bread. Isn't that picture so cute? That's how God is with us. He gives us our needs. But when you think about it, Jesus is saying, give us this day our daily bread, right? Give us what we want, right? Right? No, nope, you should correct me right here. Give us what we need. That's what daily bread is, is symbolic of. 
It's talking about all food, but it's basically talking about the essentials of life, the things that we really actually need, everything we need for life and godliness. The promise is that God will give it to us. But too much of the time, we get ticked off when we don't get our way. Probably, you know, that little guy, he's adorable, but, you know, he probably has had a tantrum or two in his life when he didn't get his way. And aren't we the same way sometimes? You know, God, I wanted that promotion at work, you know? Or God, how come, how come I went bankrupt? Or God, how come that person rejected me? I mean, we start blaming God for all these things. And instead of just saying, God, give me what I need today. And you know, one of the things that I do just when financial trials come up, I just always just say, Lord, it's your money. If you want to spend $5,000 replacing my transmission, that's up to you. <laughs> but for real, God, give us this day our daily bread. Give, give me today what I really just need. Lord, protect me from myself. Protect me from the things that I don't really need. Where it says in Proverbs 38, first, help me never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me enough to satisfy my wants. What? To satisfy my needs. Philippians 4.12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. This is the secret of contentment that no matter how much money's in your bank account, no matter how many people have rejected or abandoned you or hurt you, that you can still be content and understand that God is still our Father in heaven and he's still perfect. Uh, 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And this is because he is our everything. If we, you know, we sing that song, I surrender, I surrender. I get really convicted when I sing that song. I mean, we sing it so flippantly, but really, do we surrender? Do we really trust that God is going to give us what we actually need, even if we don't really agree with him? Do you know what I'm saying when I say we don't agree? We don't necessarily like it. Let's put it that way. Because the Bible says he will discipline those he loves. And he will treat us as his children, as his sons and his daughters. It's because if we rely on anything else, he knows we will be left wanting. He is the only one who can satisfy us. And that's basically what Paul was saying in that verse. He said, I've been rich and I've been poor. Remember, he wrote that while he was in prison. He said, I've learned the secret of contentment. And what is that? Godliness with contentment is great gain. He's learned that there's nothing more important than knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings. You know, um, in Matthew 6, 12, it says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. What that word originally means is anything that is legally owed. So we are supposed to forgive those things that we think we deserve. Anything we think we deserve. Forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. That we are supposed to release those things, lay down our lives, consider others better than ourselves, humble ourselves, wash the feet of others. But instead, we're so busy holding on to our rights. I mean, you can see this happening now in Charlottesville. How tragic. This whole situation is so, so tragic. It's so sad. And at the center of all of it is just division and hatred. And God has promised that he would give us a way out. And so we're going to pray at the end for our nation because we, we need Jesus to show up. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, sometimes people say, oh, God was really, you know, he really set me up. He was really tempting me. It's like, no. It says in James 1.13, remember when you're being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone. He's not a practical joker. He's not a psycho. He's not a tyrant. He's not a meanie. He is a loving and gracious father. He is perfect in his love. And not all the manuscripts have this final section here, but it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So it starts with praise. Our father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And it ends with praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So it's like a praise sandwich. Right? right? He's got the praise on either sides and then all these other things in the middle. <clears throat> and he says, following that, which I find this very, very interesting, that he goes into the topic of forgiveness immediately following this section. It says, if you forgive others their trespasses. Now, this isn't the same word as the word earlier on. That The, the word earlier on was more of what is owed you. Trespasses is sin or even perceived sin. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Everybody has a name that just came to your mind, don't you? You know, I hesitated even, even capitalizing on this topic again because I know I talk about forgiveness so much, but I think it is because it is so fundamental that we are always brushing up against people that are hurting us and offending us and, you know, doing, doing mean and terrible things or neglecting us or whatever. And so... Forgiveness, I think, has to be like an ongoing thing. I think that's why Jesus is so set on forgive. You guys, forgive in the same way that I forgave you. Do you want to be forgiven? Then you need to forgive everyone. Who do we need to forgive? Everyone. Everyone. And, and I, I know... I know that there are certain things that are so horrible and heinous that are really, really hard to forgive. And I'm not being flippant at all in saying this, but you know, it is a process at times. It goes in layers. You know, a lot of people use the onion analogy, but it's true. You know, you think you've totally forgiven someone for something and then two weeks later, something triggers it and it's right 
back. It's just right there, and you're like, I thought I forgave. But it is a process at times. And so I'm going to kind of walk you through a little exercise on how to forgive to make it practical. But keep in mind that in the Bible, it says between 120 and 150 times it talks about forgiveness. That's a lot. But that's just the New Testament. It's a lot. And the reason it varies is because of the different translations. But the first thing that we need to understand about forgiveness is that it is a choice that we have to make. We have to decide, I forgive so-and-so. You have to make that choice. And at times, our flesh really doesn't want to let go. We don't want to let go because that person really hurt me. But Jesus is saying, if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. Ouch. In the same way that we forgive, that's how we'll be forgiven. So if you forgive like this, well, you know, I forgive you, but you really messed me up. That's not it. It's I forgive, which means to give up the right to hold anything against that person, to forgive. And I know you all have someone in your mind because life does that to us. We get hurt. We get wounded. So the first thing to keep in mind, forgiveness is a choice, and you must choose it. It is life. You know, when Michael Hershey preached a couple weeks back, he talked about loving your enemies. And I was sitting at the front row, and I had a profound experience because there was someone who had wounded me very, very deeply. And it was the process of peeling the onion, the layers. But all of a sudden, I was sitting there, I was like, I have totally forgiven. Like, I actually can say that I love that person. And this is not, I'm not saying this all glory to me, I'm saying all glory to God. He gave me the ability to do that, and he wants to give each and every one of us the supernatural ability, because it's all about his kingdom coming, and his will being done. But the first thing is you make a choice, the second thing is you need to name the name of that person before you and God, and maybe another person to pray with you, and then you need to tell God how their sin made you feel. And that's the part that's really hard. That's the part that hurts. For example, Lord, I forgive, let's say, Fred. I forgive Fred, my business partner, for stealing all the money and making me have to go bankrupt because I feel so betrayed and I feel so abandoned and I feel so deceived and I just feel so, you know, do you understand? You let yourself feel those emotions. Go there with God. Go there with the, the God who longs to set you free and name the things that they did and tell God how it made you feel. Let yourself go there. And he says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, he says, if my people who are called by my name, this means if you can call him daddy, 
if you can call him Abba. That's who he's talking to. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves, number one, which is praise. Two, if they will pray, which means to acknowledge who he is. Number three, seek his face, which means to discover what his will is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And number four, turn from their wicked ways, which is to repent and confess. And it says, if we do those things, he will hear us from heaven and he will forgive their sins and restore their land. If you're a person who can't say Abba, can't say Daddy, you can't say Father to God because it's too painful, I believe that the Lord has a promise for you today that he wants to heal your wounds. He wants to heal the brokenness and he wants to heal the emptiness. Or maybe your father abandoned you. Maybe he passed away. Maybe he's still on this earth but doesn't want anything to do with you. I know all these situations are so painful. But I believe that the Lord wants to grace us today with the healing power of his Holy Spirit. And he wants to come in and he wants to be our daddy and he wants to fill our void. And he wants to complete us in that. Can you all stand? We're going to pray together. Abba, Daddy, your great God. Lord, you are seated on the throne, righteousness and majesty. Lord, all your ways are just. You are holy. Holy, holy. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you're so nice. God, that you're kind and generous. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a healing God. And Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you, God. And we do want to pray. We want to acknowledge who you are, Lord. And we want to see your kingdom come. We ask God right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for each and every person whose heart is broken. Lord, your word says you are near to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. Lord, it says that you are a God who stoops down. Lord, you are a God who heals our our wounds, that you bind up our injuries, Lord. I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your spirit and your presence would be throughout this room, bringing healing, Lord, and replacing those lies with your truth, replacing the lies with your love. God, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would pour out a spirit of revelation of your love, that people would know that you are motivated by love and not by power that that hurts, that you are motivated because you love us so much. If you're a person who, who needs this healing, just hold your hands up like this as a symbol between you and God. God, pour out your spirit. 
Pour out your spirit, Lord. Heal our land, God. Heal us as individuals first. And God, then we just pray. God, we do pray for our nation, Lord. God, there there is the increase of wickedness. We see it all around, God. The increase of wickedness throughout the world. And Lord, that's why we want to humble ourselves. Lord, we want to be made whole so that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done. We want to see it expanded in the name of Jesus. God, we pray that you would give our leaders wisdom and insight. God, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord. God, we just pray that you would give us opportunities to share truth with those who are lost. Make us bold, God, in the name of Jesus. If you're a person who has never surrendered and you have never understood that you are loved and that you are forgiven, I just want to say right now, it's your chance. If you just want to slip up your hand and just say, I want to know that forgiveness. I want to know that love. I want to know that loving daddy, God, that Abba. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God, and we thank you that, Lord, your promises are true. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to teach us to pray. Prevent us, God, from being distracted this week. Help us to find that secret place to go and to seek your face in Jesus' name. Before you leave, let's say it all together. Can we all pray it together? If you don't know it, it's okay. Just just listen. Okay, here we go. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's applaud the Lord for his goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen. Amen.